three, two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And today, my guest is a marketing strategist, podcaster, and conversion copywriter. She works with her clients to put the right message in front of the right person at the right time, especially in emails. She will share with us today how to convert the right people at the right time with the right message, why niching versus excluding is important. What's the difference and why does it matter? the real definition of conversion and how to bring in the right people to your list on automatic. Welcome everybody, Kimberly Weitkamp. Hello, Simon. How are you? So excited to be here. Kimberly, what are you currently creating? So I'm super excited. I am currently creating uh, my very first hybrid course. I've taken a live event uh, that was very much a done with you, uh, get it done style workshop, uh, all about you know getting the right message in front of the right person at the right time and creating the entire framework to do that. And now we're turning it into a six week program so that uh, people can kind of stretch it out, right? You don't have to spend three days in front of your computer, uh, but also just testing the hybrid model because I'm really excited about the opportunities of delivering both that personal touch, but still getting a lot of training uh, done for people in a DIY method as well. I love it. And I think it's the best way to create stuff. You first do it manually and then, then when it works, right, you repeat it in a more organized fashion and and then you automate it but after you know that it works right that's beautiful absolutely and um so i'm super excited you have so many things to share here let's start with the first one um what's the difference between niching and excluding because we don't like to exclude people we don't like to exclude people. And one of the things I find I hear from my clients and people out in the world all the time is, well, I don't really have a niche. I can't really define that because literally I could help everybody. But we only have so much time in the day. You know, we get 20, I get 24 hours, you get 24 hours, uh, everybody else listening gets 24 hours. And um, there is a difference between being able to serve people to the best of our abilities and trying to water things down. So when I talk about niching, what I'm really asking people to consider is a mindset approach. When you talk about niching, it's more about who is it that A, you want to work with, right? Because we get to choose. Uh, it is our business as opposed to somebody else's. So who is it that you really want to work with? And who can benefit the most from what it is that you do, right? As opposed to thinking, well, yeah, everyone could do that, right? One of my favorite examples is productivity, right? One of the things that you are fantastic at, but you work with a very specific subset of people, right? Who needs to be more productive? Um, everyone I speak with on a daily basis, right? But the, the, the entrepreneur who's just getting started and doing a side hustle, and then the person who's managing 15 people as an HR manager in a, in a corporate environment, the things they need for productivity are very, very different. So a lot of people approach niching as, oh, I'm going to exclude certain people. You get to decide at the end of the day uh, who you're going to work with. So niching instead is, well, who is that person I can get the best results for? Who is it that I can take the farthest, give the biggest transformation? So when we approach the conversation of 
this is who I want to work with and this is who I can help the best. It helps us uh, approach our marketing and approach our business as a, well, who is it that I'm going to best serve as opposed to who is it that I'm going to close the door on? I remember those conversations. Our, our team and I, Simon, let's pick just agencies. And I was like, no, then we exclude so many cool people. And so I was really <laughs> thinking of, no, we exclude so many cool people. And it was really tough. It took me years, right, to niche down to a five-level segmentation. Now it's just B2B owners that do 35K per month. They want to get to 70K per month in 90 days. They have a digital business. And now it's very, very niched down. But it took forever. I was like feeling, oh, my God, no, I don't want to exclude anybody. I don't want to shrink my market, right? So I feel, I feel this. I guess everybody feels that. And um, then there is the real definition of conversion. And I guess it's not religious. <laughs> it's not religious. No, we're talking conversion when we're talking marketing. Um, but one of the, the, the phrases I'll hear a lot from people is, you know, I, I did this thing. I did the email. I did the, the lead magnet. I, I did the thing I was supposed to do and it didn't work. And I'll say, okay, it didn't work. W what didn't work about it? Do you know how many people, for example, saw it? And I'll get blank looks. And then I'll get people who will say, oh, well, I kind of need to look that up. I'm not sure. <laughs> so when I talk conversion, I love to do vocabulary lessons when it comes to marketing because we want to make sure all of us are on the same page. So my definition of conversion might be different than somebody else's definition. So for me, conversion is, did they take the action you wanted them to take? Right? So Did you they have take defined the action? An action and you have measured? You have a defined action and you can measure it. Because what's really important for us to remember is the ultimate conversion is not actually the sale, right? The sale's like in the middle. And then you have the continuation of the sale. You have people who become your loyal customers, who start referring you to people. All of those are types of conversion. So there's all these little micro conversions, all these things people have to take action on before they're ready to say yes to working with you. So when I talk about conversion, I say, did it work? As in, did they do the thing? Did they take the action you wanted them to take, right? So is that, did they sign up? Did they show up? Did they ask a question? Did they reply to your email? Did they listen to your podcast episode, right? All of those are a type of conversion. So conversion is simply, uh, did they take the action you asked them to take and how many of them did it? like this because it forces me to think about what's the action that I want them to take. It forces me also to think about, is this important enough that I will measure it every seven days? That's mm. an exercise that helped me a lot. Um, if it's important enough, I will measure it every seven days. If I go, uh, I don't want to measure that every seven days, then maybe it's not important enough. If it's not important, why should I do it in the first place? Mm-hmm. And that has reduced the number of things that we measure, but those we take very seriously. And of course, over weeks of measuring and over months, everything that you measure every week for months will get better, highly, highly likely. Absolutely. It gets better, but it also makes us contemplate what do we really want to be doing? And what is the goal of anything we set out to do? Oftentimes, the reason marketing doesn't work, as people say, is because they didn't have a plan for what success looked like. Right. We we focus on the vanity metrics. Oh, 20 um, percent opened, one percent clicked. Uh, I got 
X number of whatever, but at the end of the day, you want clients. So your question is, uh, how many people signed up per day for your list? That's your conversion metric. That's your success metric. How many people stayed on the list or unsubscribed from the list or how many people became clients this month? That's your conversion metric for that particular campaign or that particular marketing strategy. But we want to make sure, right? What is it that we're hoping uh, the action will be and how does that translate to growing our business? I'm so excited about your next piece, which is how to bring the right people to your list on automatic because I want that automatic thing. But after one word from our sponsors. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprint's blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprint's method. Order your copy of Strategy Sprint's 12 ways to accelerate growth for an agile business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com. You got me at automatic. How we can bring the right people onto our list on automatic. Please tell us. On automatic. So uh, I find a lot of people take what I like to call the field of dreams approach to marketing. If you build it, they will come. However, there's a lot of people online nowadays, right? <laughs> there are a lot of people out there. There's probably thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who do what we do in some way, shape or form. So you have to be able to stand out. And there's this approach and there's this ideology among a lot of people of, well, I don't want to tell anybody in case it doesn't work. But if you don't tell anyone, then no one can actually know that it's there, that it exists, that you are doing what you're doing. And uh, by keeping your business hidden, uh, you're not actually doing yourself any favors. So when I talk about how to get leads on automatic, really it's about, do you have a strategy that goes out on repeat to bring people into your world. And it's not as difficult as we think. Uh, this is one of the things I would, I would teach with the, the three-day workshop that we're turning into um, the course. But do you have a plan for regularly promoting the way into your list, right? One of the best methods for people to get to know you, your business, what you do, how you're going to help them transform is to get them onto your email list and have conversations with them until they're ready. But you have to get them there first. So how do you do that? Well, first, you have to have a really powerful lead magnet, right? You have to have a really powerful lead magnet that approaches from the problem perspective, not from a, hey, this is how my solution is the best thing ever and you should definitely buy it because people don't know who you are, right? They don't necessarily know about your solution. All I know is I don't have enough time. All I know is I want more consistent revenue. All I know is um, I want three more clients a month. How do I do that? So what you need to approach creating that high converting lead magnet from is what's the top problem and what little wing can I give them and then put that into a lead magnet. And then of course have a very powerful landing page that explains why they want to grab the thing that you're about to give away. But then the part where most people kind of stop, and that is creating a method for getting the message out that you have this thing on a regular consistent basis. So what I have people do, nice little hack, is sit down as you're creating the gift, the free course, the lead magnet, the, the book, whatever it is that you're gonna create to encourage people to join your world, 
sit down and write out 30 different social media posts for whatever your preferred social media platform is. It's going to be really easy because you just created the thing, right? You just created the thing so you know exactly what the value is, you know exactly what you want people to take away from it. And if you sit down and create 30, and if you send one every three days on your social media platform of choice, you've just created a 90-day plan where you can schedule it out using a scheduler of your choice or using the platform's own scheduler to remind people you have this thing, it's fantastic, and you should go and check it out. And you don't have to think about it. And after 90 days, guess what? No one's going to remember day one, so you can reuse the same 30 posts. I love this. When it's fresh, you write down 30 posts. And I was also touched by what you say, hey, what if I, I tell everybody and then nobody buys it, nobody shows up? And this, we all have this feeling, right? When we launch something and the hardest, there are some things that are more risky than others. Like an email, you send it out, nobody buys. Hmm, so what? Um, that's quite de-risked, right? That's, mm. And on the other side, an event, I'm always, uh, I always panic before events because I say, hey, let's do an event, everybody come. And then what if just three people show up, right? That's, that's visible. And so I remember the first events that we would do monthly, I would call like 50 people and I would literally call them to have five people in the room. And, and that was, that was in the negative way, exciting in a very negative way, right? It was risky. It, I, I would have panic feelings for days. And, uh, and now fast forward, we send an email, we get 30 people and uh, I'm, I'm now relaxed, but it's after probably years, if not many, many months, I guess years of, of doing that. So how can we de-risk and what have you, what have you learned on your, on your journey and in your coachings? Absolutely. So one of the perspectives I want to uh, tag onto here is you're like, well, what if only three will show up, right? Do I still deliver? Do I cancel? What do I do? So again, that goes back to not only marketing, but also in business, right? What is your goal with the events? So for me, uh, the first event I ever held on, on Zoom, it was virtual. It was during the pandemic. I was like, I'm just going to test it out, see if people are interested. I got, as you said, three people in the room. And I converted 65% of them into a year-long program that made me a lot of money. So it worked, right? Oh. There weren't a lot of people. <laughs> There weren't a lot of people in the room. I didn't have enough time to really prep it. Um, you know, there were so many things I could have done better, but you take it and you learn, right? You take it and you learn. And part of that process is really defining, right? What does success look like? So instead of being reactive to successes, oh gosh, I only got three people in the room. What am I going to do? Be proactive. Well, I want to make X amount of money from this event. That's going to be a successful for me. So if that happens, it's going to be a success. Right. Uh, so that's one thing to think about is, uh, you know, what is your winning point and how do you approach when things don't work? I always take them with a great. Now I know. Now I'm clear. Now I can help my people even more because I know what they're not interested in. Or I know that what I said was too confusing and I need to clarify my messaging. Or I know that, you know what, this used to be a really big problem, but now the people on my list, I've helped them so much, um, I need to change the perspective I take. Maybe this messaging still works for new people, for people who don't know me yet. 
But once they're in my world, maybe this is not the right message. There's so many different ways you can take the failures, if you will, in the marketing world for your business and evaluate them and ask yourself, well, what about this didn't work? Did I get people from this? Maybe is there another place I can test this out? And if it doesn't work and it's not good and you don't want to keep trying it, well, then stop and change your perspective and do something different. I love your energy. You turn every situation, you see opportunities and you turn it into a, a focused way of, of using those opportunities. What inspires you? Are there specific books, podcasts that give you inspiration? Absolutely. So one of the first books I ever read, I was so excited that somebody recommended it to, to me when I first got started in business. And that was Profit First, right? Profit First, Mike Michalowicz. I uh, had a lot of practice saying that name. <laughs> and uh, one of the reasons was because it completely changed my mindset when it came to running your business. Everything I'd ever seen was uh, whatever's left at the end of the day is yours. But instead, it's like, remember, as an entrepreneur, you're building the life you want to live. Whether that means not working eight hours, whether that means only working between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. because that's when you're productive, you're a night owl and you want to sleep during the day. It doesn't matter, right? But I had all of this preconceived ideas about what it really looked like to build a business. And that kind of helped me make the shift that really it's all about building what you want, right? Your business is there to, to help you live the life you want, right? I am not one of those people who live to work, I work to live. And uh, there's also a balancing point because I actually love what I do, so it doesn't necessarily feel like work all the time. Um, so I really enjoyed the book because it was all about how to put yourself first, which is something, at least in the United States, it's a hard lesson for most of us to learn is putting ourselves first, especially for women. So this idea that I got to put myself first and even though I had other things to be paying into and there was a, a new program I might want to have invested into, my profit money was for me to do fun things like buy a TV show <laughs> on Netflix or, uh, you know, go out to a nice meal with somebody. So um, that's one of the, the big inspirations for me when I first got started was changing that mindset. Yes. And especially women and especially entrepreneurs in their first year because we go, hey, I am financing my dream here. So first I make sure everything is healthy, right? And then if something, if there is a leftover, that would be my salary. Right? Absolutely. I was, I, I was also like this the first years. I would have the, the, the smallest salary of everybody in the team, of every supplier, of every team member. And then a friend of mine, he, he, he sees that because we were talking investments and and he sees my salary and goes, are you kidding me? That's your salary? And I say, hey, I am building up the business. I'm, I'm putting that into the business. And he goes, let's talk self-worth. And I was like, oh, oh great. Yes. You are right. What do you pay yourself? He tells me his number. I was like, what? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got my self-worth back. <laughs> yes, we, we gain our self-worth. And... <laughs> It's a, it's a story I hear from so many people, right? Or um, this idea, right, of oh, that that's the conversation that comes up when talking about outsourcing things that you don't like to do. They're like, but I don't want to pay somebody $25 an hour, $25 an hour to do that. I was like, do you want to muddle through for three hours of your own time that you're charging at whatever your internal rate is? And when you reframe it, right, and that's a story in another book, I was like, oh, that's exactly why you don't do that. <laughs> yes, yes. So take what's yours and uh, 
Kimberly says, Simon says, you are allowed to enjoy your business financially from the very first day of the month. I give you permission to take the money you need to live the life you want and to build the schedule that works for you as opposed to somebody else. Yes. And um, what's the second book that you wanted to share? Yeah, the second book uh, was The Big Leap. Uh, one of my coaches recommended that I read it and I was like, I'm not sure. It's not really my cup of tea usually. Fantastic. Transformative. <laughs> this is talking about what a lot of us have heard is our zone of genius. Um, but really what for me helped me kind of see the perspective is, are you doing the things that are really killing your inner soul? Right. Are you doing the things where you're you're making yourself sick or you don't want to do it? So you're constantly in this state of not feeling great. Um, and that idea of even though you're fantastic at something, it doesn't mean it's your zone of genius. And if you choose to move away from it, that's OK. In fact, that's recommended. So uh, for me, this year has been a big leap because I'm actually moving away from done for you copywriting. I, I'm very, very good at it, but I really enjoy and flourish under helping people put all the strategies in place and figure out how to phrase it for themselves and teaching others so that I can make a bigger impact. So kind of having that perspective and I, I went on a reread uh, last year through it. So for the second time and I was like, okay, this is okay to do. This is like my permission, right? So many of us, even if we never worked a day in corporate, which is me, I've never worked a day in corporate in my life, um, but we still kind of had this perspective that like you're supposed to ask your boss for permission. So when it's your, when you are your boss, you're like, right, you're the CEO. How, how am I supposed to give permission for myself to do this? So uh, finding those external sources or just realizing, you know what, this is a message. This is what I'm meant to be doing and I should really internalize it and get started. Permission is so important, right? And I remember I it was easier for me to ask my boss. I was in corporate. Uh, mm. And so it was easier for me to ask my boss for permission for vacation than right now that I am the boss, that I have to give myself permission. And that's much, much harder. <laughs> it is hard. And it's a complete shift we need to take and also realizing right you know what does your vacation look like one of my clients was about to go on vacation and she was talking about all the work she was going to be doing and i was like are you going to feel rested at the end of the day because some people thrive on working vacations right they work two hours in the morning or in the evening and the rest of the time is theirs and they love it other people for me i know if i go on vacation and i've got one random thing to do per day for work i'm going to come back and not feel like i had a vacation because i had to touch work every day I need that complete break so that I can come back completely refreshed and best ready to serve my clients. It, it changes with the amount of children that you have and with their age. <laughs> uh, well, I don't have I, any children, but I, I definitely hear that. Yes. I have three small children, so whatever I do on vacation, there is no off. So right. I, I could work... Or I have to play like 12 hours from, you know, cowboys to building sandcastles to being the surfboard to being the surfer to everything. And so it's always on. <laughs> but no think... alien invasions? That's so sad. Yeah, everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my client, she was like, well, those two hours are going to be while my kids are still asleep in the morning, so it'll be fine. I'm like, all right, cool. You know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> But that goes back to, right? What is your ideal schedule? You get to choose that. 
Yes. And also there you have permission to build a schedule that's really good for you. Mm, absolutely. And uh, yet just yesterday I was I was having breakfast with somebody and she's an amazing entrepreneur and she says, well, you know, Simon, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm not having a vacation this summer. I say, what? <laughs> that, that's why you do your, 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 what you do so that you can have the life that you want to have. But yes, my, my first year in business, it was full on all the time, weekends, evenings, didn't matter. I was always working. And uh, my parents made a comment. They're like, we feel like, you know, it's been so long since we had a conversation with you, much less since you were able to come over and do something um, because I was always working and I didn't have much to show for it. I was really close to burnout. And that's around the time I also found profit first. So um, I took a, a weekend off and I started setting boundaries. And what do you know, as soon as I started limiting when I would say on work or not on work, uh, things started improving vastly. <laughs> Both, you know, business started growing. I started to feel more excited again about the business. So it's really important, right, to set those boundaries for yourself. Absolutely. Kimberly, if people want to work with you, get the right people at the right moment with the right message, who should contact you? Who should not contact you? Yes, who should contact me? So, you know, if you're a coach, especially if you're on the business side of things and you're you're finally ready to put a strategy in place, right? Uh, my whole approach is I want to help you have business-free vacations. It's so interesting that this conversation went to vacations. I love your ad, right, about how to take a vacation from business. Um, and you really are wanting that consistency to get those leads on autopilot, right? You've tried all the things. They haven't worked. You're not really sure where to get started. Um, those are the types of people who should reach out to me, especially if they're, uh, you know, been in business a while, some months are fantastic, some months are less. So, um, basically, you know, business, business coaches who are ready to finally put a marketing strategy in place and are ready to sit down and really answer the tough questions. Like who am I serving? How am I serving them? And what are my success metrics? What does success look like for me? You have to be able to define that dream life for yourself before you can start building it. And how can they reach out? Where is the easiest to find you? The easiest to find me. So I'm on LinkedIn under Kimberly Whitecamp. It's a fun spelling, but Simon can say it because he knows German. And uh, Whitecamp, <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, an Amer I'm a fifth generation American, so we say Whitecamp. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Kimberly Whitecamp on LinkedIn. Also, theaudienceconverter.com is the website. But honestly, if you want to get a hold of me, contact at theaudienceconverter.com. That is the best method to reach out and me or someone from my team will answer you back. I love it. Kimberly, who should be my next guest? Who should be your next guest? Uh, I loved this question when I heard it from your other people because it's always about, well, who are the next great people who are going to come on? Uh, you know, I think your next guest should be a, a friend of mine. Her name is Virginia Mooskies. She's all about building relationships and building the business uh, that really builds the life you want, right? But doing it in a way that most of us have kind of forgot, which is the lost art of networking and referrals. So uh, I think she's got a lot of information to share with the next CEO who's listening in and is looking for another method for, for building and scaling their business. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for sharing your wisdom, your journey, your actual tactics with us. Thank you so much. Keep rolling. Thank you, Simon.
Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprints method. Order your copy of Strategy Sprints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us.